This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn radio app. And I'm Lyle Southall. This is Encounter with God, where we get into our Bible study, 20 million movement, 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. But before we get into that, I just wanted to mention that uh, Dr. John Ashton, who comes on here once a month and presents those just exceptional pieces on the subject of creation and evolution, that that is all coming from his book called Evolution Impossible. 12 Reasons Why Evolution Cannot Explain the Origin of Life on Earth. And I just want to say that this should be required reading for every Year 12 student in the country. Um, I wish that it was. Uh, If it did happen, then you would certainly have no uh, graduating Year 12 student who would countenance evolution in any shape or form for the rest of their career, no no matter what it was that they studied while they were in university. Uh, Dr. John Ashton certainly uh, knows his stuff. One of the most educated people that I've ever had on this show and really, really appreciate his book here. So if you want to get a copy of that, uh, Better Books and Foods, um, Adventist Book Centre or uh, Jump Online or any good bookshop, you should be able to grab a copy of Evolution Impossible by Dr. John Ashton. Encourage you all to get out there and grab your copy of this amazing book, uh, at this time. <coughs> Speaking of impossible, it's time for Quiz Impossible, Lyle. <laughs> it is. It is time for Quiz Impossible. I, I, okay. I, th- I don't think I'm going to get this one because I know it, but it's just not coming to my mind. You're going to absolutely kick yourself when I tell you what it is. You really are. Okay, so what's the MI? What clue are we up to? Did I tell you that Elimelech was a priest in this city? You did. Okay, so here's the next clue, clue number four. Doeg the Edomite was put to death. Oh, sorry, put to death every living thing in this city: priests, men, women, children, etc. Except for one. There was okay. one priest who survived. He escaped. Okay. So Doeg the Edomite put to death every living thing in this city: priests, men, women. Yeah, that's children, not correct. Not everyone. Except for one. Except person, for one. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know this story so well. That's what frustrates me about it. Anyway, if you know the answer, or if you can look up the answer, then <coughs> uh, there's going to be a prize coming your way. Yes, two prizes because Lyle don't know the answer. That's one eight hundred three two four eight four three, or you can text your guesses zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. What do you think of the name Doeg? Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Not my favorite. You, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You wouldn't call Defo your son. Not-o. Doeg? Nope, not even a It's kind of got a... Are, um, you, are you Googling it right now, Lyle? No. Does it look like I'm Googling okay, it? Okay, you'd better not be. Because you typed and then you looked up and you were like, what do you think of the name Doeg? And I'm like, you'd better not have just been Googling <laughs> Doeg. <laughs> <laughs> Cheater. Okay, so I am looking Everyone else for is allowed to look it up apart from you, all right? That's how I'm this works. looking for the Bible study today, which is uh, called A Certain Kind of Hope and... Yeah, we're going to be looking at... Um, Would you name your kid Doeg? Okay, well, I think... Please don't tell me you almost did and your wife had to talk you out of it. <laughs> no. This is why did men need there. wives. I think that um, in the next big... Um, let me think. What, would, what, what franchise would this suit? Um, it must be a movie franchise out there that has a bad guy somewhere and I think the bad guy should be named Doeg. It's, it's a really cool bad guy's name. Don't you think? Well, any name that has the word egg in it is a bit silly, really. 
<laughs> it's just gonna be he's gonna get meme roasted if he has a name Doeg. Doeg. Doeg the Edomite. It, it, you know, and it's one of once again, it's one of these names that has become associated with evil because uh, here he goes in and he attacks this village. Was he a rotten egg, was he? He was definitely a rotten egg. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, we already know that there wasn't a single sword anywhere in the village. It was a village of priests. They didn't have yeah. swords. Yeah. They were completely defenseless. Uh, he would have probably surrounded it, sealed off all exits, and then just walked through and just executed every single men, women, and children, except horror. for one man who managed to escape and get away. That's just so horrific. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to happier news. Uh, Lyle, did we discuss this yesterday on air, or did we forget? We discussed it briefly, so when I but was not in here. detail. So when I was there. No, we mentioned it after you were here okay. in passing. Okay, just in case everyone's wondering why we're being so cryptic. It we, is the giveaway of the year. Yeah, it's the giveaway of the year. So it's our biggest we're giveaway. We're only going to do this once, once per year. We are giving away uh, a was it a family a holiday holiday pass um, yes. to stay at Jindabyne at the Alpine Retreat up in Jindabyne. Right. Um, so yeah, give us a call. You can call at any time. The way we're doing this is uh, you can call and register your details with us. And then at the end of this month, we will be drawing a name out of a hat, essentially. Absolutely. So just anyone who's interested, doesn't matter, give us a call, give us your, your name and number and put your name in your in that hat uh, for that snow 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 vacation. It's not a snow vacation. No, sorry, no, sorry. It's, it's a mountain summer. location. Mountain, that's right. That's right. Alpine Lodge. Yes. Alpine Lodge. It is snow, it is snow during the winter, but the snow's kind of gone. Yeah, so. we've, we've broadcast from that. there in the, um, in the past and it's just Stunning. beautiful. Stunning. We broadcast from a tower, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Jindabyne, holiday, give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, um, or just text your details, text your name and number to 0491 and just write that you want to be uh, put into the entry, into, into the draw to win um, the Jindabyne holiday. All right, so religion has often been criticized for a tendency to draw believers away from life here and now towards some better Afterlife. Do you think that's a true statement, Mon? Say that again. Religion has often been criticised for a tendency to draw believers away from life here and now towards some better afterlife. They've been criticised for it. Mm. They should be applauded for it. We need to be continually reminded that this is... Okay, but does that mean that we don't worry about our life here? It's just like, well, you know, why should we we stress over this life? We have a better life coming. No, the fact that this is not our final resting home that we're just passing through, as the old saying goes, should actually inspire us to work harder, to win more people to the truth, that more people can come with us when we do go to heaven. Mm, It shouldn't make us lax. It shouldn't be like, ah, well, who cares? It's all going to burn and I'm going to go to heaven and you guys can all just rot in hell. That shouldn't be your, that shouldn't be your, 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 the, the result. Okay, so we're not religion should not uh, create an a um, an atmosphere, a mindset of escapism. No, definitely not. Okay, it shouldn't but make them blase. It shouldn't make them, you know, disinterested. It should if it it should serve to inspire them to to win as many people in as we can in the short space of time that we have. And that's the other thing. It it, it also lets people know that there's a there's a time limit on this thing. It's not going to be forever. And if it's not going to be forever, you you know, like roll your sleeves up and get into it. Indeed, indeed, it um, it is something that we need to um, um, remember. Okay, so, but then you know, as Christians, there are times when you know terrible things happen, and um, 
as Christians, we're sort of like, well, you know, we've got a better life coming, whereas um, others would be like, oh, no, this is terrible. The, the world is coming to an end. My world is coming to an end. Um, <clears throat> isn't it actually a good thing from that perspective that we have that um, that blessed hope to look forward to when terrible things are happening? Yeah, absolutely. It puts it into perspective mm. that this is not this is not how it is forever. This is just for a short period of time. Yep. And, and, you know, I I think the negative side of it is something that we have seen within Christianity. And, you know, there's been times when, you know, believers have left themselves very open to criticism. Um, You know, sometimes even, you know, cultivating, preaching, practicing um, the kind of attitude that, you know, we really don't care about this world. There is a, uh, you know, we're heading to another world. Why should we worry about this one? Um, I don't need to work, I don't need to study, I don't need to, you know, Jesus is coming soon, Mm -hmm. so why should I, you know, um, do any of these kinds of things? And uh, it does make us um, into fools. It neglects the aspect of stewardship in all regards. You know, not just people who are like, oh, who cares if we continue polluting the planet, it's going to be, you know, burnt up anyway. Um, Which is not, it ignores that we've been given responsibility of it. But it also, that those attitudes also ignore the fact that we were given responsibility of our minds, you know, to to cultivate them, to take responsibility of our families, you know, our our homes. People who think that way just, I don't know, something off there. Yeah. Um, The other, probably the worst example of this would be when you get somebody who's in power, like as in political power. Mm. And of course, they have uh, a position of prestige and wealth and power. Uh, particularly, you know, and and they and they profess Christianity, but in what in you know some of our developing countries, where they then look at the poor and say, well, you know, the Bible says you'll always have the poor. So hey, guys, sorry that you're poor, but um, don't worry about it because when Jesus returns, he'll sort it out. Yeah, you know, it's not exactly taking responsibility, no, is it? Not in the least. And the fact is that the reason that person is in power is because God has placed them in a position where they can do something about it. And it is their responsibility to absolutely do something about what is taking place in their country at that time to try and alleviate as much of the oppression of the poor and the suffering of the poor as is possible. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so if we go to Matthew chapter 24 and 25... Uh, this is Jesus' second most famous sermon after the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is like his manifesto. <clears throat> this is the second. You've, you've kind of got two big sermons of Jesus in the Bible. You have the second, the, the, the manifesto one and the second coming one. Um, and Jesus spends the first half of his discourse, you know, de- detailing the need to escape, even getting to the point of saying that, you know, if, uh, if, if, um, if you know, if if uh, <coughs> <laughs> did a text come through, Lyle? Yes, a text came through and, and distracted me. And I'm trying, to, I'm trying to organise too many things at once here. <laughs> <coughs> okay, but you know, if those days hadn't been cut short, no one would survive. So let's go to Matthew chapter 24 and let's look at some of these um, examples of verses where the Bible talks about escaping. And let's find out: Is the Bible teaching us escapism? Should we be coming? Uh, should be? Should we be escaping from our world? Should we, should we become hermits? Should we go and live on the top of a rock somewhere? Um, yeah, let's 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 find out whether this is what the Bible is te- talking about. Have you been to Greece, Mon? Yes. Where they have those monasteries on top of rocks? Yep, yep. I haven't seen those monasteries, but I've been to Greece. Okay, those monasteries will just bend your mind. 
You have no do idea. They carve them into the rock, or do they cut stuff up there. They cut stuff up there. That's mad. They kind of started out, yeah, because you basically got these big rocks, and they're kind of like a volcanic plug, but I don't think they are. I think they're sedimentary rock. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how they formed. I did know at the time, but it's just like you know a big pillar of rock just poking up out of the ground. People would climb them. Priests would climb them and live on top of them. Oh, reals. Yeah. And over time what happened was that people saw these guys up there, they'd separated themselves from the world so that they could remain pure. Mm, And they would admire that and they would join them. And so then uh, buildings came to be on top of these rocks, monasteries grew around it, churches grew around it, and priests would go in there. The only way in and out was via a rope. I went to one of these ones in Ethiopia and actually climbed the rope. And to this day... It is the only way of getting in and out of that particular monastery is you have to climb the rope up the face of the rock. I think it was like 17 meters, which is not as tall as some of the ones that I saw in Greece, but the ones in Greece are set up for tourists now, so you can actually get in there safely, Mm -hmm. Uh, whereas Ethiopia is like, yeah, you're a tourist, no worries, Uh, give us some money and you can go and risk your life and climb this rope. You know, 150 people climb that rope every day. It's made out of cowhide, tied pieces of cowhide all tied together. Oh, mercy. <clears throat> and you know how often, how often they, they replace it, don't you? How often? Every time it breaks. <laughs> that is literally the truth. Oh, mercy. <laughs> that is literally the truth. I would have been like, you take some pictures from me, Lyle, I'll wait here. <laughs> yeah, no, it was one of those adventures that you kind of just have to do it. I don't even know that I could hoist myself up 17 meters, Lyle. But, um, yeah, it's had some interesting experience. They just had a uh, – they, they took us and showed us the cemetery that's up there. And, of course, there's not a lot of soil up there. How do you, so how do you – They're pretty shallow burials. And they just had a funeral service. And when we arrived, there was like a whole heap of people at the bottom of the rock who had just come down from the funeral service. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, 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 you do the tour and, and the last place that we went to, of course, was the cemetery. And it wasn't very nice in some ways. There was a bit of an odour. I, I, I was just about to say, did you smell Yeah, I was. <clears throat> but anyway, you know, that's the, the way they do it in different cultures and different countries and um, that's fine. So that's how they do it there. That's how they do it there. Uh, all that matters is that there is a resurrection coming. doesn't matter how you get buried. Amen. Or not buried, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go to Matthew chapter 24, Mon, and can you read for us ooh, verse 15 and 16, please? The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. Keep going, keep going. A person out on the deck of a, ha- of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it'll be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. Wow. Okay, so that's a pretty full-on passage right there. But it'll be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. That's a heavy passage. That's hectic. And because of that passage, I have met people at times who have bought themselves properties way off in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. 
and stocked them with supplies. Tins of nut meat. Tins of nut meat. Yep. Um, for the time that they're going to have to run away and escape to that particular property. And, of course, the tins of nut meat over the years have rusted away. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> is that what we should be doing based on this passage here? No. Alternatively, should we be going and living on the top of a volcanic plug somewhere? No. Maybe go to the Glasshouse Mountains and claim one of those um, plugs and say, hey, this is mine, nobody else can come <laughs> up here. I own this spot and I'm building a monastery on top of it and no person is coming up here so that I can be safe. Yeah, no, it doesn't say that either. There is an indication here that Christians do not just become doormats, though, wouldn't you say? We don't just, like, oh, the time of trouble's come. Please uh, walk in and kill me. Yeah, I'm here. Come get it. Yeah. No, no, it doesn't, it doesn't say that either, though. Okay, so if it's not saying either of these things, what is it saying? It does say that you uh, those in Judea must flee to the hills. It just doesn't say that you should pack, go back and get stuff. Yes. And so it um, it is something that, you know, I think is a lot of common sense right here. And this is one of the things I love about the Bible is that the Bible is full of common sense. The Bible um, does not recommend anything outlandish, anything extreme, anything crazy. It simply says, okay, if your life is in danger, run. Yeah, mm. don't just stand there. Yeah. Move. At the same time, it doesn't say, oh, you need to live a conspiracy lifestyle where you are always panicking about what the future will bring because you are constantly worried about what's going to happen um, because you know we do serve a God who is able to take care of us and we don't have to worry about the future because Jesus is coming back soon. He is going to make things right. We just simply need to be ready to follow God wherever he calls, at whatever time, at whatever calling that might be. Amen. Okay, so when we look at these chapters here, Matthew 24 and 25, we've got to ask ourselves this question. You know, what are the most important points um, from our reading oh, that Jesus is making from our reading of these particular passages? So I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here and I'm going to highlight a couple of uh, <coughs> a couple of. Yeah, a couple of points I think that are probably standouts within this particular sermon. Uh, when you find somebody who repeats themselves a number of times, clearly that then is becoming a theme for that particular passage, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to Matthew chapter 24. So this is um, all about the return of Jesus. And Mon, I'm wondering whether you can read for us verse 36. Yep, let me just turn over the page. Verse 36 says, However, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. Okay, so what message is Jesus telling us right here? That no one knows when it's going to happen. What's the implication that goes with that message? Just to be ready all the time. Yeah, yep. exactly. He then goes on, and in the next verse, he says, "But of the day, uh, sorry, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be." Did the antediluvian world know the day and the hour of the coming of the flood? No, but they no. had a big run-up. Okay, so he likens it. They did, mm -hmm. and Jesus has just given us 
right the way through Matthew chapter 24, a big run-up, hasn't he? Mm -hmm. When you see this and this and this and this and this all happening simultaneously and all increasing in uh, ferocity and strength and uh, frequency, then you know that it's coming soon. Mm -hmm. But he compares it to the days of Noah. Um, for as in the days of Noah, for as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came. So first of all, he says no one knows the day of the hour. Then he says it will be like the flood where they didn't know the day of the hour. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk more about this. But before we do, this is um, Alison Krauss and Union Station with Heaven's Bright Shore. You're listening to Faith FM. Oh, man. 
That was Alison Krauss and Union Station with Heaven's Bright Shore here on Faith FM. Mon, another clue for our quiz. Yes, I'm so enjoying this. What city am I? Oh dear, I might have to come up with some extra clues after this. <laughs> when Saul ordered his guards to kill the priests of this city, they refused. That's why the Edomite was the only one who was prepared to do it. Mm. Because they were priests. Yep. And his own guards, his own personal guard, refused to kill their own priests. <clears throat> yeah, Saul was um, had pretty much lost it by this particular mm-hmm. point. All right, so back into Matthew chapter 24 and 25, we first read that no one knows when Jesus is coming back. The implication here is that we should be ready all the time. Then we read that Jesus goes on to say, look, say, look it was like the days of Noah, nobody knew. A couple of verses down, Mon, mm. verse 42. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Verse 44. Under- 44. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Uh, verse 50. The Master will return unannounced and unexpected. Uh, chapter 25, verse 13. We find it. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the hour or day of my return. Okay, so Jesus just said the same thing here six times, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. You know, if I came to you, Mon, and uh, we'd never met before and I introduced myself and I said, my name is Lyle Southwell. Mm-hmm. And in the space of a few sentences, I repeated that six times. I would get the picture that you really wanted me to know your name. That's right. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't want you to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay? And this is what Jesus is doing here in the space of, uh, what have we got here, maybe 20 verses. He has repeated himself six times in six different ways. In fact, between verse 42 and verse 44, let's read that little uh, passage right there. Uh, which chapter? Of uh, 24. Because we read verse four, read read verse forty two to forty four. Read the with the middle with the verse in the middle. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know the the day what day so your Lord is coming. Understand this: if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You must also be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. <clears throat> okay, so not only has Jesus repeated himself six times, but he's now given us two examples of how his return will be unexpected. The first one is the example of uh, Noah and the flood, and now he gives this example of um, a homeowner whose house is going to be burgled. Mm. You know, And, and uh, if, if uh, the burglar had rung up and said, hey, I'm popping over tomorrow night to burgle your house at 9 o'clock, he would have stayed <laughs> up and made sure it didn't happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> okay, so um, he goes on to now give us another example. So you've got basically from verse... Uh, let me see here, from verse 36 onwards, all the way down through to chapter 25 and verse 13, you have only one theme being repeated again and again and again. So let's read uh, now, let me see here, verse 45 to 50. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can bring the, give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds the servant has done a good job, there'll be a reward. 
I tell you the truth. The master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks, my master won't be back for a while, and he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. Okay. Um, and do, can I read the rest of that story? Sure, you can read the rest. Why not? And he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's pretty full on. Just, yeah. That's okay, so first of all, he says it'll be... He, it, he, he tells us the same thing six times. Hmm. Then he gives the example of Noah and the Flood, which is a true story. Then he makes up a couple of uh, parables. Uh, this particular one here, the parable of a servant who's like, yeah, my master's not going to be back for ages. And so he just uh, becomes corrupt. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he goes on into chapter in, in chapter 25 and verse 1 the Bible says then now then is a connecting word isn't it yes then shall the kingdom of heaven so then when is that when Jesus comes back when Jesus comes back the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins which took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom and five were wise and five were foolish and those that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps and while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And so once again, we have a parable where Jesus is using an illustration to show the danger of not being prepared for what is coming uh, in the future. He's saying, look, this is going to be unexpected. And so you've got six statements and four parables here, one of them being a true example to teach us or to remind us that we need to be ready for Jesus to come back every single day. Why do you think that that's so important? I mean, we we can have a I think a pretty a pretty uh, confident attitude that Jesus will not return today. Yeah. Why should we be ready every day? Because it could be any day. Okay. And well, I mean, not so much that, but it could be any day that we die. That's right. Mm-hmm. We never know what our future is. We never know whether we're still going to be breathing in the next ten minutes from now. Um, and so because of that, we need, to, um, <clears throat> we need to be ready for Jesus to come back at all times in all circumstances. Okay, so when we look at this parable of the virgins here, this is probably one of the most powerful parables that Jesus gives in the Bible, and it's right here in the middle of this, uh, this passage. Um, it, it follows on after the one of the servant who abuses his fellow servants. So this is somebody who has found themselves in a position of power and has allowed that power to corrupt them. They have become incredibly corrupt and they are abusing everybody that is underneath of them. What does the Bible say will be the end of that person? It was quite creative be, what it says they're there. They're going to be cut into pieces and have a place for the hypocrites where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A little bit graphic. Yeah, it's a little bit graphic, isn't it? Um, and I kind of wonder how being cut into pieces goes along with uh, weeping and gnashing of teeth because if you're in pieces, how do you gnash your teeth? But yeah. anyway, I think we all get the point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's dire straits. It's, it's dire straits. Yeah. And so there's a number of um, parables and passages here that really emphasize the fact we don't know when Jesus is coming back and we need to treat our fellow human beings as if Jesus was coming back today. We have a responsibility to our fellow human beings. It continues on. Uh, you've got the parable of the talents after the parable of the virgins. And then we come to this passage down towards the end of uh, this this chapter. Uh, Mon, do you want to pick up for us, ooh, let's see, in verse 31? Let's just start reading in verse 31. Oh, of chapter 25? Yes. 
Verse 31 says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Okay, keep going, keep going. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then those righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it for one of the least of my brothers and sisters, you were doing it for me. Thank you, Mon, for reading that right there. This really brings this whole parable, this whole uh, sermon about the return of Jesus to a close. And we often focus on the signs of Jesus coming, uh, the events of Jesus coming, but the real emphasis of these these two chapters is um, how we treat our fellow human beings. Let's always treat them as Jesus would do so. This is uh, Leonie Gardner with People Get Ready.
What comes to mind when you think of studying nursing? Practical experience? A rewarding career? Great employment prospects? When you think of nursing, think of Avondale College of Higher Education. 92.7% of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree, with credible experience and with friends for life. To apply now, visit avondale.edu.au. It's higher education, designed for life. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. He doesn't fill me like he's supposed to fill me. Something is missing, my heart is still aching. He doesn't fill me like he's supposed to fill me. Something is missing, my heart is still aching. She said I had enough. What is this all about? She said I'm Oh, what? 
doesn't fill me like he's supposed to fill me. Something is missing. My heart is still aching. She doesn't fill me like she's supposed to fill me. Something is missing. My heart is still aching. Welcome back, everybody. That was uh, Melissa Otto with Complete Me. Listen to Faith FM. Mon, give us the last clue for the quiz. What city am I? The name of the city begins with the letter N. The letter N. N for November. Any ideas, Lyle? No. <laughs> it's just not, it's just, it is just not Did we make blank. it all? This is the first time in Faith FM history we've made it all the way to the end of the quiz card. And Lyle doesn't know the answer. I'm going to scream when I get it because I know the whole story oh, yeah. so well. You seriously are. <laughs> I might even videotape you kicking yourself. I'm so entertained. Do you know what? I think because we've made it all the way to the end of the quiz and you still don't know the answer, I think we need to give away triple prizes. <laughs> I'm going to give you a Bible, a CD, and a copy of We'll put your name in the, in the mine draw twice. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to give away Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, really great book. Uh, I'm going to give away a copy of the KJV Bible and I'm going to give away a Kemi Ogendi CD. If you can <laughs> tell me before the show ends in 14 minutes what the answer to the quiz is. Okay, question of the day. What do you got for us, Mon? See how quickly he moves on. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. <laughs> okay, okay. Lyle. Yes. Q of the D. We've just been reading about the end of times, Matthew 24, 25. The question, of course, is when when will we know to actually flee? Because we are told to flee, but, but when? Yeah, really good question. The Bible gives you the exact answer for that when you go to Matthew chapter 24, and I think it's about verse uh, 14, 15 there somewhere. Let me just get there. Matthew 24, verse 15, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand, then let them flee. So the Bible is very, very clear about when we should flee. The Bible says, When you see the abomination of desolation stand in the holy place, then flee. So that's your answer. Cool. So no one knows what that means, but thanks anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so now you want to know what the abomination of desolation is. Okay, so this is a prophecy that has been fulfilled a number of times through history. The first time was when uh, the city of Jerusalem was surrounded by Romans. Mm -hmm. Then you have a symbolic prophecy, uh, fulfillment of the same prophecy during the Dark Ages. And then, of course, you have the end time fulfillment of the prophecy. So three different applications in three different kinds of ways. But we learn about the later ones from the first one. The Bible, Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation, you go to Daniel chapter 8 and verse 13, and you find that that is paganism, pagan worship standing in the holy place. Clearly, this was not referring to the holy place of the sanctuary because by the time the Roman armies had entered the sanctuary in 70 AD, it was too late for anyone to flee. It was all over. However, there was another place that was called the holy place, and that was the two kilometer approximately or two mile, I think it was, economic exclusion zone outside the city of Jerusalem where nobody either inside the city or for that distance outside of the city was allowed to trade on the Sabbath day, been established by Nehemiah, 
and this was an area in which no trade would take place on the Sabbath day because Gentiles would come in and try and sell stuff to the Jews. And so they made this uh, economic exclusion zone. It was called the holy place. Now, of course, the Romans, they came, they laid siege to the city. They stood in that holy place. They had their pagan gods in that holy place. They were worshipping their gods in that holy place in place of the real God. The Christians recognized the sign. The Romans withdrew. The Christians left, never came back. The Romans came back and there were no Christians who lost their lives in the siege of Jerusalem. So that's your first um, fulfillment of that prophecy. And from that, we gain an understanding for the end of time. And so if you look at uh, during the Dark Ages, how this was fulfilled, when you find the state, the government, standing in the place of worship. And so that's what you had symbolically, was the Roman government was standing in the place of worship, the holy place, then flee. And so when you have that union of church and state, then it is time to find the more remote parts of the world to live in uh, if you are going to maintain your Christianity. Because when you have, a, you have union of church and state, you have religious persecution, which is never a good thing. Um, if we take it right down to the end of time, we can see that one of the uh, very big issues in the book of Revelation at the end of time, of course, is the issue of the Sabbath. And this was a Sabbath area. It was an area for keeping the Sabbath. That was its purpose. And when the Romans stood there, they were keeping Sunday in the place of the Sabbath and enforcing that within that particular area. And there's a very real link to uh, what is happening at the end of time there in uh, take, in, in, in Sabbath taking uh, Sunday taking the place of Sabbath. Anyway, moving on with our show, uh, we need to continue on. We have uh, Norton Hall Band with Rock of Ages. You are listening to Faith FM. Rock of Ages, clap for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flow be of sin a double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Not the labor of my hands can fulfill thy lost demands. Could my
declare for me. Let me hide myself in thee. That was Norton Hall Band with Rock of Ages. You listen to Faith FM. We've come to the end of the show. We have a book to give away. God's holy word. Is it still worth dying for? I'm going to say yes. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Mon. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to agree with We're you. We're talking about the end times and, uh, and, you know, and all the scary stuff that's coming up and, and fleeing from um, <clears throat> corruption and, and so forth. And I think one of the people, people, you know, you know, the Bible says, you know, don't go back and get your, <coughs> excuse me, get your coat and, and that kind of preparation. But there is preparation that we can do for the end times, and that is um, centered around the Bible and your relationship with God. One of the best things you can do to prepare yourself for that end time is actually memorizing Scripture and uh, and reading God's Hollywood and learning it and having it written in your heart because there will come a time when um, these things will be uh, scarce and they'll be trying to take away from us. And so... Um, I want to say it's definitely worth dying for and it's definitely worth delving into. So this book is written by E.G. White um, and it's, it's an incredible book about about the close of, close of um, our Earth's history and, and also goes through a lot of history about everything that ever went um, against the Bible, all the different forces that tried to um, steal it away from, from us and, uh, and how it, it, God brought it through and it prevailed all through that time. And the incredible stories of people who gave their life, that sacrificed their life, so that we can sit here today, and many of us have multiple Bibles in our shelves at home, um, that we can sit there and read it in peace. And uh, this book we're giving away for free, God's Holy Word, is a still dying for E.G. White. Give us a call right now, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. First person through will get this totally for free. You have a blessed day. Came like me, so I could see more like you. The world as it should be, the way that you created it to be. Where beauty is beyond what we. And hatred is a burden we don't know And mercy, mercy, it's sweet like the summer rain Forgiveness is a fortress that takes away our pain And joy is ever flowing through Like a love we've never known You became like me So I could see
Joy is ever flowing through our bones. 